Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Rocks Pile Podcast, part of Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling. And welcome into the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. I am Noah Yingling, one of the co experts of Rocks Pile. And once again, I am joined by my friend and fellow co expert, Kevin Henry. Kevin, how are you? No, I'm doing well. Award season has concluded, and uh, the Rockies were shut out. Not just of the awards, but all the votes, too. Yeah, for the first time in Rockies history, and this uh, footnote uh, brought to you by our friend uh, Patrick Lyons with DNBR. Um, he did the research, and we backed it up, too, um, that this is the first time in Rockies history that nobody has gotten any votes in any of the BBWAA awards. Um, and quite frankly, I, I'm not surprised by it. No, I, I don't think if you looked at all the awards and, you know, even the best year, uh, you know, who that might've been at the plate. And, you know, that's arguable, obviously, depending on what statistic you look at. But none of them were up there or des- let's let's be honest, none of them deserved a vote. Uh, none of them deserved a vote in MVP. There were no real rookies outside. You know, we talked in an article on Roxpile how Lucas Gilbreth was probably the Colorado's rookie of the year. Uh, but did he hold a candle to a Trevor Rogers or a Jonathan India? Probably not. So, you know, not not a huge surprise. And part of that too is relievers are always it's unless Unless you're a closer and you rack up 50 saves in your rookie year, you aren't going to get any kind of consideration for it. No. Um, but for the Rockies, like I said, I'm not surprised. Um, I mean, if you had to give any of them a, a vote, um, I believe I've said this on our podcast here. Wouldn't have been surprised if maybe Bud Black got like a third place yeah. manager of the year vote. Uh, CJ Crone got would get like a ninth or tenth place vote for uh NL MVP, not really deserved, but he he was really he was the Rockies MVP or one of the top few guys. Absolutely, uh, Trevor Story would have if he wasn't injured. Um, and wasn't playing injured, quite frankly. Uh, Ryan McMahon, uh, we've already talked about this. He should have gotten a, an award in, in the gold glove, but didn't. 
Um, but really, who else well, is there offensively? Crone, well, Rodgers, and Story are the three guys with an OPS plus above league average. That's it. So I think I think if you you know because you mentioned Rymac and the Gold Glove, and obviously I think a lot of Rockies fans are are just going. You know, name recognition killed him there. We know that. We know, you know, that's that's Nolan's uh, award until proven otherwise. But maybe it's Herman Marquez not getting the silver slugger that everybody yeah. should be most upset about. That was probably, you know, and what a weird year that that was probably their best chance to get an award this year was Herman and the silver slugger. Yeah, and and that that kind of tells you right there where okay we didn't have any shining stars on the team. We might've had oh, like, like a CJ Crone up. Okay. He was good, but it's just not, not good enough for the national recognition. Um, right. And also some of the categories, like the category that you voted on for rookie of the year, they didn't really have anybody. I mean, they did uh, the, I would contend outside of Lucas Gilbreth, the guy who would have been number one or two, depending on how you look at it, is Connor Joe. Yeah. And the thing is, he only played 60 some odd games. And there were people talking about Wander Franco in the American League, how, oh, he had such a small sample size and he had 70 games. So yeah. that's the thing. Connor Joe yeah. played fewer games than that. Yeah. And, and, you know, let's take off the purple, you know, shades here for a minute, you know, who, who would have made a bigger impact last year, Wander Franco or Connor Joe, you know, I mean, for the Rockies, Connor Joe did what he needed to do. He, he brought life to the top of the lineup, you know, and, and I really do think that, you know, if you read some of the, the tweets from Thomas Harding of MLB.com, some of the things that Thomas has been writing, you know, more and more, he's kind of mentioning that Rymel Tapia could be a, a trade candidate. And I don't think if Connor Joe wouldn't have burst on the scene last year and done what he did in Tapia's absence because of an injury, I don't think that would be a discussion right now. Even with Tapia's ground ball rate and everything else, I think that they're still confident enough that Joe could step in there and do everything Tapia could do and do it better. And the one thing, and we've kind of alluded to it on the podcast before, where and, and you tell me if you think I'm completely nuts on this. I don't think you will. Um, is that one problem with Rymel Tapia, other than hitting the ball just into the ground, is defense. There's been times where he just looks completely lost in left field. But if you look at the numbers, and that, that's one of the things where I think you have to balance the eye test and the numbers. I tested me, Rymel Tapia was not a great outfielder. The numbers say he was a great outfielder. He had eight defensive runs saved last year. He had seven in left field and one in center field. To me, I, I didn't see that. Well, but think back to, and, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm going to tell you where a lot of people would say you're wrong, is that Rymel had a lot of highlight reel catches last year. There were a lot of highlight reel catches, the diving catches, the, you know, the hat coming off, the hair in the wind, all that stuff. But there were a lot of routine plays that he either botched or nearly botched. And, yeah. it, and you know, if you watch every day instead of the highlight reels, you know, you're going to see that. And, and we know, 
uh, Rymel Tapia versus the fence last year. That was not a fair fight because the fence won quite a few times. Um, so, you know, yeah. So I, I don't think there was ever a time that a ball was hit the left field that everybody was completely confident that it was going to fall into Tapia's glove. Just, just being perfectly honest. And Bud Black admitted several times that yes, Tapia had improved, but was he where he needed to be defensively? Absolutely not. Yeah. And I, I would have to say that I think he improved, but that's not saying much. And the other thing too is, okay, for example, Derek Jeter. Okay, he he had, uh, especially if you talk to a Yankees fan, oh, he was great defensively because he had all these highlight reel plays. Okay, but they could have been, they were routine plays that he made highlight reel plays because his lack of range or whatever. And frankly, you could argue that with Tapia where some of those highlight reel plays, oh, his hat came off. Okay. But if he would have had a proper read on that, he wouldn't have had to dive. So his hat wouldn't have come off and he could have just made a regular catch. Yeah. And and with Tapia, I'm very interested. You know, there's, there's a lot of trade buzz around him. Now we'll see. I don't expect anything to happen before the CBA expires. I, I expect it to be very quiet there. But I think once the CBA, they figure all that out, hopefully it's a short span and everything else. Are the Rockies confident enough to not trade him and to give Connor Joe every opportunity to win left field? Now, this is all asterisk here. If they don't some sign a big name free agent to play there, you know, and, and there's a whole lot of ifs in that statement. But I'm very curious that if the Rockies really think that Tapia is a fourth or fifth outfielder who can play the bench, I don't think I would feel real comfortable in a pinch hit situation if Tapia was called upon. Yeah. But, you know, that's just me. I've been accused of being a Tapia hater before, uh, and and I just prefer to be a Tapia realist. How about that? Yeah, and I'm in the same boat there with you. I mean, if if you have enough spots on your roster – where you can carry a pinch runner. He's a great guy to have there. Absolutely. But the problem is the Rockies have too many of those players, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. And they Daza don't have enough people that, that can hit. Hampson. Yeah. Yeah. Daza, it's Hampson. There's, there's plenty of guys who can run. Absolutely. If you have the 1995 Cleveland Indians where Jim Tomey is hitting eighth in your lineup. Yeah. You can probably afford to keep a pinch runner because your lineup is so deep. The Rockies do not have that luxury. No, <laughs> I mean, it's as simple no. as that. <laughs> and, and, and I really do believe that left field is going to be where the Rockies try to improve that, that I think Connor Joe is that guy that they use as that outfielder slash first baseman utility guy, put him on the bench. But I think that they are going to my gut that they're going to give Sam Hilliard every amount of possibility. We talked about this last time on the podcast, depending on what he does in winter ball. You know, if, if they feel like that Sam's got an opportunity, they're going to give him that chance and they will try to improve in left field. But that's going to take a big splash for somebody to come into left field if that's really going to be your only uh, big play in the free agent market. Yeah. And by the way, on that uh, 95 Cleveland team, uh, there were a total of seven players in their average starting lineup that had an OPS plus of 108 or better. It's not bad. The Rockies don't have that. 
they no. can uh, the 95 Indians could have uh, Omar Vizquel with his 78 OPS plus in the lineup because a they thought his glove was decent, which uh, not decent, very good. But honestly, growing up watching him, I thought he was a Hall of Famer. He's not. But um, <laughs> but also, too, he stole nearly 30 bases that year. Sure. You can have that in your lineup if you have other protections. Rockies look, don't. Look, when, when Swagger and Dagger worked the best for the Rockies last year, and, and that being the top two of Jonathan Daza and Rymel Tapia, when that was working well, they were getting on base and they were using their speed to take an extra base. A lot of hustle doubles yeah. for Rymel yeah. Tapia last year. And then they were setting the table for Blackman and Crone and Story to drive them in. That's what leadoff guys are supposed to do. And all of a sudden, that both fell completely apart. Injuries, whatever you want to call it. But that's where Connor Joe all of a sudden excelled. And getting back to our whole rookie thing, I, I agree with you. I think that if Lucas Gilbreth had not come through in the in the bullpen, that Connor Joe would have been your rookie of the year, despite the very small sample size for the Rockies. And quite frankly, especially with um, with Daza, uh, if you look at his final 45 games of the year, he hit 208. The first uh, 62 games of the year, he hit 331. Yeah. Um, so I, I think uh, that that might actually be a picture in the Thomas Harding dictionary of uh, under it's all falling apart. I mean, well, I was it, ab- part of it was the injury and all that, but it's just. COVID you know, as well. I, yeah. And I remember being a spring training with Thomas and he and I trying to figure out how the Rockies were going to leave Daza off their opening day roster yeah, because yep. he was doing so well in spring training. And you're exactly right. Started the season hot, everything else. There's a lot, you know, we're so focused on the free agent side of things and what the Rockies are going to do to improve the team. There's a lot of questions. And, and we've talked about this it feels like ad nauseum though. But what are they going to do about these fringe guys, these question mark guys still to this day? And I will put Hilliard in there at the moment. I will put Hampson. I will put Tapia. I will put Daza. I'll put Dom Nunez. You know, there's quite a few guys with question marks who I think the Rockies thought this is a piece to our future. And all of a sudden they're realizing that's shaky at best. Yeah. And that's the thing where fans will say, uh, fans will be upset at the Rockies for saying, well, we need more out of these guys. You do need more out of these guys. Yeah. But the problem is they have so many of those guys. If you had three of them, okay. But when you have two-thirds of your team that falls in that category, there's a reason why you finished with 74 wins. Yep. It really is as simple as that. It, it is. And there's a lot of improvement that has to be done with this Rockies team. And the more that I look at the possible additions that the Rockies may make this offseason, the more I realize there are a lot of holes that need to be filled on this team. A lot. Yeah. And it's going to take more than just this offseason to do that. I don't think the Rockies have the, the budget of the Yankees or the Dodgers to go out there and do everything this offseason to fix what ails them. And not to mention, too, you are a 74-win team with Trevor's story. Now, granted, yeah. he, like we said, and he was injured, played injured, but you're still losing Trevor's story. Now, if you put Ryan McMahon over there, which that's been a d- topic discussion in the last few days, okay, who do you pu- have to play third base? 
Well, I, I will tell you that I think I get the sense from everything I hear from the GM meetings, whenever Bill Schmidt was talking to Nick Groke and me and Carlsbad, I get the feeling they're very high on Montero. And, and but that's a gamble. You know, and if you say we're, decent. yeah, we're going to move a gold glove contender to shortstop and take a chance on Montero coming in at third, you know, uh, okay. And, and especially and, when the Rockies aren't a big fan of Montero's defense and they right. were thinking of moving him to first base. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I think we are looking at the whole corner infielder, you know, and, and I feel like we've talked about this as well, but, you know, where are you going to put Colton Welker? You know, yep. I mean, where, where are you going to put a lot of these guys that you're wondering what their future is going to be with the Rockies? And right now, Crone hasn't blocked. You know, McMahon, I think they would be foolish to move him anywhere but third base. But we will talk a little bit more about some of the moves the Rockies have made this offseason already uh, right after the break here on the Rocks Pile, Rockies Report. And we are back. Uh, Kevin Henry here alongside Noah Yingling. Uh, we are the co-experts at rockspile.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rockspile Rockies Report. Noah, as we record this on a Thursday night, the Rockies have made another uh, contract extension, uh, locked up another guy uh, in, in Elias Diaz, uh, who is a catcher that I think if we had said in May – that the Rockies were going to lock him up for another three years, we both would have thought, what is going on here with this team? But Diaz caught fire. Diaz became Mr. Walkoff at some points during the season. So the Rockies are hoping that what they saw later in the season is what they're going to see moving forward rather than what we saw the first part of the season. Well, I'll tell you uh, one of my paragraphs that I had in the news article for that, and it's, Very similar to what you just said. If you would have said that the Colorado Rockies would be extending Elias Diaz to a three-year deal after the first two months of 2021, fans would have been outraged, and for good reason. It was terrible. He hit 123 through June 1st with an OPS of sub, what was it, 400? Yeah, because 191 on base, 185 slugging. So a sub 400 OPS after that, he hit 284 with a 348 on base, 553 slugging with 17 homers. He had 18 on the season. 17 of them came in June or after 40 RBI. And for 162 game average, that's 35 homers and 83 RBI. Is he going to have that next year? Probably not. Um, but the Rockies are hoping that he'll hit somewhere in the middle of that. I mean, it's a pretty big middle, but I mean, if considering he had an OPS from June 2nd on of North of five, uh, North of 900, I think if they get somewhere between 700 to 750, they will be jumping for joy. Yeah. Well, and one thing about Diaz that, you know, everybody's going to look at his offensive numbers and, and obviously we need to do that with the Rockies, but I think the biggest two reasons that they re-signed him were defense and the way that he, he did against base runners last year, as well as 
if you talk to Senzatella, Marquez, you talk to these the guys in the rotation, they love Diaz behind the plate, love the strategy, loved working with him. So there's a comfort level there. And if your rotation is, yes, again, probably going to be the strength of your team next year with Gomber coming back, with Gray still a question mark. But having a catcher that those guys are comfortable with is really, really important. Yeah. And some of them are uh, comfortable with Dom Nunez, but when Diaz was hitting 284 and Nunez in that same period was hitting 100 points less, who are you going to play? Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty easy answer. And it was really interesting because if you look back at last year, Nunez actually, when, when Diaz was struggling, Nunez was doing okay. He wasn't, you know, uh, he was by no means, you know, the great Gary Carter uh, reinvented, okay? <laughs> but he was somebody who came through, had some good home runs, had some good moments. But the minute that Diaz really started asserting himself as the catcher, the number one guy, uh, Nunez went into a shell uh, on offense. I mean, just dropped like a rock. So, I think the Rockies also have to figure out what they're going to do to back up Nunez next year. And, you know, if you look at some of these contracts that are being signed and some of these things, you know, and we've talked on this podcast about a bridge season and and it really is, it's getting Drew Romo ready to be that Rockies catcher. This contract gives Drew Romo the chance to get to be that guy. Uh, CJ Crone at first base gives time for that next generation to get ready to come to Coors Field. So I think that you're looking at, you know, the Rockies see the future, but it's still in Spokane and Fresno. So there's still going to be some more uh, marinating, shall we say, for that before it's ready. Yeah, and best case scenario, the guys move up a level each, and your guys in uh, Albuquerque and Hartford – they either leave via free agency or whatever. Um, some of them, hopefully, to the majors. Um, so, and uh, they can get a little bit of experience. But I think you're going to be seeing a lot of it with guys from Fresno going to Spokane, Spokane up to Hartford. Um, and hopefully, fans can start to see by this time next year, okay we have some guys that are in Hartford or some hopefully that have played in Hartford and then have moved up to Albuquerque. And okay, we can see that in two years, these players should be able to contribute to the MLB team. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, That's that's the key word. But if you look at the trajectory right now, there's a possibility that Hartford could be a great fun team to watch next year. If you get the best of Fresno and the best of Spokane coming together at some point next year in Hartford, I think that yard goats team could be one that we're all going to keep an eye on uh, just because you're going to have the best of both worlds coming together from both levels of a ball. And hopefully we can play another edition of where in the world is Kevin Henry or where in the world is Noah Yingling. Absolutely. We'll have one of us be there. I have yet to go to Dunkin' Donuts Park. That is high on my list. Uh, so, uh, yes, we may have to make a little trip to Hartford. That would be By the right. way, for those of you wondering, since our last podcast, we have not been able to play another edition of Where in the World is Kevin Henry. He has been in Colorado. I have it's been. Yeah. It's disappointing, I know. But, 
but uh, you know, there there will be some travel coming up after the Thanksgiving. So uh, perhaps we'll play another game after that. We'll see. It'd be great if both of us could meet up together in Orlando, Florida, on December fifth. Uh, I don't think that's you know. I don't think that's going to happen. I think some of the comments from Commissioner Manfred just earlier today. Uh, I'm not booking a flight to Orlando anytime soon for the winter meetings. I hate to tell you, my friend. If something happens before December 1st, I will be one of the first people to book. But I'm, I'm not, I do not foresee that happening. No, I, I think it's going to be a long, cold December. Uh, I think that just some of the comments that have been made, uh, it, it just, it doesn't feel like that there's, I don't think this is posturing. I think this is just preparing us for what's to come. And the thing is, too, is, I mean, that's less than two weeks away now. And it doesn't seem like they're close on much of anything. No. Okay, maybe they agree upon the DH. There's a hell of a lot more they have to do besides that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good that's a good first step. But there's about 50 others to take. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Okay, uh, your, your web page is loaded 2%. Now finish the, exactly. the other 98. <laughs> exactly. And no, I'd like I like to I finish think, sometime before April 1st. <laughs> you know, and, and I don't expect the Rockies to do much else, if anything, before the CBA expires. I think they're going to sit back and watch and see. And, and what we've seen so far, you know, let's be honest, the big moves outside of Colorado have been pitching. Yeah. You know, we have seen a lot of pitchers go off the market already with some really big contracts. And we know that if that's the trend at the moment, that's not where the Rockies are going. Yeah. The only possible one, and I I don't think it is going to happen here in the next two weeks, is John Gray. And I mean, we've talked about how they offered him a three year deal or somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 to 15 million a season. Um, and if you believe the MLB trade rumors predictions, which they are often fairly accurate this year, it's been about the correct amount of years they predicted, but a little bit higher in money. And you want to guess what they predicted that John Gray would get? Let's see. Um, Average annual, I'll go 16. You would be a little short. Oh. It, 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 uh, what, not a little short, a little high on it. Oh, okay. Um, they would have it be a little short. But oh, the overall contract is much higher than the Rockies. They have it at four years and $56 million. Mm. Now, if you look at, like, for example, they guessed five years and $70 million for Eduardo Rodriguez. He got five years and 77 million. You look at some of the others and they've, they, their uh, average annual value has been a little bit low. So it might be 15, 16 million. If he gets, he'll probably get a four year deal. That's much lower than the Rockies offer. So unless they don't want him back or they decide they don't have enough money, which they do have enough money. It's just whether they want to spend it or not. Um, John Gray's not going to be back. Well, and I think that, you know, it goes back to what we were talking about before the break. If the Rockies are going to spend money, are they going to spend it on bringing John Gray back? Or are they going to spend it on the offense? 
And I, I think that's really in, in one scenario, what you're looking at. Um, you know, I know that the, the purse strings are open. I know the Rockies are supposed to be a little bit freer as far as payroll and everything else. But I also know that they are not going to go after uh, Carlos Correa. You know, there, yeah. there are certain guys out there in certain price ranges the Rockies just aren't going to be in the mix for. And that's frustrating to a lot of fans to know that they're never going to be in that mix. Yeah. And that's why even with the Nolan Arenado extension, sorry, I just swore on the podcast. They said you Nolan did. Arenado. You did. Now it's um, for mature audiences only. Good job. <laughs> I might have to put an explicit warning on this podcast. Um, <laughs> so, um, the thing is when they extended him and that this is something that some of the apologists will say is, well, they, they intended on uh, paying him and all that. No, there's a reason why they wanted the op. Uh, they wanted the opt out. They knew that they want to be able to pay that. So in my opinion, if you know, you can't pay that, why are you giving him that contract? Well, if or you, you don't depend on yeah. paying that. You can afford it, but you just don't want to be able to afford it. Well, if you know that you're really not going to build around him either, and, and boy, that's a whole, you know, that's a hornet's nest right there, I know. But, you know, that that's the biggest thing. The Rockies didn't build around Nolan. They didn't build around Trevor. We're going to get to the end of Charlie Blackman's career, and we're going to say they really didn't build around him in his prime years. So there, there's going to be a lot of what ifs and what coulds with this recent version of the Rockies, no question. And to get back onto John Gray as well, something that the Rockies have to consider, uh, actually two things. Okay, you know you can pitch. Uh, he can pitch at Coors Field, but he's not durable. I mean, let, let's call it like we see it. How many times can you guess? How many times he's had more than thirty starts in a season at the major league level? Tell me. Uno. The one. There you go. That's a problem. So, also, the problem is look at the ERA plus starting 2017. 138. Great. 92. Not so great. 134. That's great. 78. Not so great. 104. Nah. There's no consistency you, whatsoever. But do you feel more comfortable with that than with a Ryan Feltner or a Peter Lambert, you know, and, and I know Rawlson is going to be in the mix next year. I get that. We don't know at all what that's going to look like, but just based on what we've seen from those two guys who could be your fifth starters, you know, now Chi Chi Rodriguez or Chi Chi Gonzalez, sorry, it's out of the mix. You know, it, it makes a difference. And, and I think I would rather have a up and down gray than somebody that I haven't seen a whole lot from those guys so far. And that's the thing to your point earlier. They have a lot of holes to fill. Yeah. Your starting rotation is your strength and you still have to either see one of your prospects do something at triple a Rollison didn't Lambert's been injured. Feltner has never been at triple a. Um, yeah. uh, well up until, September 15th or whatever it was. Um, so you, you have to see somebody there do something. And then you have to address three, four spots uh, with the offense. Not to mention, you may have to add a DH or somebody who can 
interchange with somebody else to be a DH. And not to mention the bullpen. Granted, it got better at the end of the season, but the bullpen's not great. Yeah. So you've got, you know, you've got all these little brush fires popping up. Which ones are you going to put out first? And I don't know that you've got enough water to put them all out. Yeah. I mean, it's that simple. Bingo. So, uh, well, now I'm depressed. Great. Yeah, it's the That's state the- of the Rockies. Sorry. <laughs> now there's, I, I, there's, there's a lot to watch this offseason, and there's a lot that I, I still say with the Diaz move today, with what they've done with Crone, with what they've done with Cinzatella, yeah. you know, all, all the lockups that they've done so far this offseason, I still think those are things that needed to be done. Yeah, I, I do. Uh, I don't think they've made a bad move with any of those this offseason. Yeah. I just think, like Rockies fans out there, there's got to be more than just bringing back the, the, the crew that was there last year and saying, well, we'll make it through. Yeah. You're a 74 win team. You aren't, you aren't going. And we discussed this even last year. Okay. You have 15 players that are in limbo or or realistically even more than that, but we'll say 15. Okay. You can't expect all 15 to play career seasons. And, And that's really what it takes to get to the playoffs. You have to have career seasons from half of your team. Did any of the Rockies have career seasons this year? Maybe CJ Crone. Maybe. Maybe Ryan McMahon. That uh, McMahon's debatable. Crone is debatable. Can you yeah. tell me somebody else? Can't. I yeah. mean, you could talk Lucas Gilbreth, but it's his first year. And right, he was in. Uh, he didn't pitch in twenty twenty, and. Uh, when was yeah. where was the last place he pitched in 2019? Wasn't exactly. it uh, Albuquerque? Wasn't in Hartford? Nope. He was in Lancaster. <laughs> I say absolutely. You know, it, there there's a lot that we're going to be dissecting, especially you know as the offseason moves along. And but I, I think the the biggest thing as we kind of wrap up here. From, from the news today about Diaz is, again, they're counting on, as you said, a career year. And really, if you look at what Diaz did this year, this was a high watermark for him. Now, they're taking a chance that those three years are going to be raising that bar. and Or at least, as you said, being serviceable. Okay, yeah, and I know that there are, that bar. Yeah, and if you're close to that bar, then you're going to walk away going, that was a good deal. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think that there are enough there's enough confidence in that clubhouse between Bud Black, between the pitching staff, that they they feel like that was the move. And I think that that's an important uh, factor to think about, too. And another thing, too, you have to consider, we were talking about Diaz and Nunez. Okay, it, first off, is Nunez your backup catcher? Yes or no? Secondly, if he is not, you have to find somebody. Right. That's another position you have to add because – you want to guess what the career high in the major leagues for Elias Diaz in games played is? Had to be last year, right? It was. But I, 106 I games. There you go. So who's going to play the other 55 or so yeah. games for you? And, and I'm of the, the belief that if you bring in and, and, you know, close your ears, but you bring in a veteran like a Drew Butera 
or somebody veteran-wise to be that guy who picks up a third of the games and can be serviceable along with Diaz, maybe that's not such a bad thing. Another thing we uh, this is uh, seems like we're saying a lot of this this again, but it, I mean some of it, it does come up again. You have to find a bridge catcher. Yep. <laughs> yep. Lots of bridges. Uh, Lots of bridges. Brush fires are uh, instead of brush fires, the Rockies need bridges. There you go. There's an article <laughs> right there. You probably see that on Rock's file coming up soon. <laughs> Oh man! Well, we've covered. We have. Uh, we've gone around the horn here. I know uh, we were going to talk a little bit about the award voting, but you know what? Uh, I think we did a deeper dive into the Rockies than we anticipated, and that's okay. We yeah. can uh, talk After about all, the this award- is a Rockies podcast. We can talk about the award voting when it's a dark December and look back upon that. I have, a and we can preface it by saying that Kevin Henry and his first BBWAA vote had three guys that he could vote for for the NL rookie of the year and the three finalists were the three guys that were on his ballot in order. Yep. I mean, I, I will say, you know, and, and just real quick here, the NL rookie of the year was to me, it was pretty cut and dried. So maybe I got lucky. Now, if they'd handed me an MVP ballot, you know, I have a feeling I still would have gone Harper than Soto. Uh, I can tell you that. Had yeah. I, I young ballot, and I- MVP especially in the NL was a toss up. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think I, I got uh, lucky this year with that uh, NL rookie of the year. Cause India just was so strong all the way through, but we'll see. Hey, we'll at see, least uh, uh, you didn't have an MVP vote and vote Lamont Wade jr. As your 10th place guy. You know, he would have been my guy. Had I had it, I probably would have bumped him up to at least fifth, at least. Interesting. Know. Yeah. I would have just <laughs> That's done why nothing, you're a bad but giant, nothing but giants. So about that? There you go. Brandon Crawford all the way, baby. So of course. <laughs> all right. Well, Hey, thank you all for listening to this episode of the rocks file Rockies report. We always try to bring you a little different spin on the Rockies. Make sure you follow us at rocks pile FS on Twitter. Check out the articles that Noah, I, and a great group of contributors do every day with new content on the site at rockspile.com. And until next time, for my friend and co-expert Noah Yingling, it's Kevin Henry. And as always, go Rockies. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. 
MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.